We have been in a series this summer, and we've had a few guest speakers, and it's been fun to have opportunities for other people to speak, and Christy and I have been doing a little traveling, but I'm glad that I'm with you today. As we are continuing our series on the book of Psalms, we're taking a psalm a week through the summer, and there's been a lot of good ones that we have covered, and so today I want you, if you have your Bible, to open up to Psalm 121. This might be my favorite, um, Psalm 121, and we're going to read that together in, in just a moment. But if you have a Bible, if you want a Bible, there should be a black hardcover Bible. I'll be reading under the NIV translation. Um, and the words will be up on the screen too. So if you have a Bible, turn there, Psalm 121. And here's what I would like to do. I just want to read through the whole thing. It's eight verses. Um, and I think we could put it up on the screen, Grant. And uh, I would love us to read this together just because, you know, we want to make sure everyone's keeping the blood flowing today. So let's stand up and we will read through Psalm 121 together when we're ready. All right, here we go. I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going, both now and forevermore. You can be seated. I love that psalm. I love that psalm. It beautifully describes the closeness of God to us, His care for us. Um, and we're going to talk a little bit more just about what that psalm says specifically in a few minutes. But in, if you have your Bible and you're looking at it, if you look under Psalm 121, there's often a little subtitle about who wrote it or when it was written. And Psalm 121 says, a song of ascents, A-C-A-S-C-E-N-T-S, -A -E ascent, like ascending. Or a lot of them would say, a psalm of ascent, an ascending psalm. Uh, that word ascent in the Hebrew language could also be translated to steps. So it's the, this idea of journeying upwards towards something. And what's interesting is that there are, well, I hope it's interesting, it's interesting to me, Psalm 120 through Psalm 134, there's 15 psalms of ascent, and they're all grouped together, and they all say the same thing, a psalm or a song of ascent. Now, this is intentional, because three times a year in the Old Testament and in Jewish religious history and Jewish tradition, there are three festivals and feasts that the Jewish people would, you know, go on a pilgrimage, essentially, journey to Jerusalem for these festivals or feasts. And Old Testament law required them these three times a year to make a pilgrimage to Jerusalem. And those three festivals, and we have them up on the screen, the, the festival of Passover, Pentecost, and Tabernacles. And we can leave that up there just for a sec. Passover is celebrating the Passover in Egypt when the angel of death came and passed over the houses of the Israelites. And it, it, it uh, resulted in the Israelites being let free from slavery in Egypt. This was the Passover. Pentecost... The word Pentecost just simply means 50 days after Passover. 50 days, we'd go to Jerusalem again, and we'd bring offering and sacrifices, thanking God for provision. This was a harvest festival. This was thanking God for providing all of our needs. And so Pentecost would be something, you know, we recognize it now because the Holy Spirit came in the New Testament during Pentecost. 
This was also the time they recognized in the Old Testament when God gave the law to Moses on Mount Sinai. This is what they would go to Jerusalem and celebrate the Feast of Pentecost. And the last one is the Feast of Tabernacles. And this was later in the, later in the year, September, October, around there, remembering how God sustained them and protected them as they were walking through the wilderness. So there was these three times a year that the Israelites would go to Jerusalem and they would prepare their hearts and they'd get ready to go and celebrate. They'd celebrate these occasions, these festivals, these feasts. They would celebrate these important occasions where they would remember God's salvation, where they'd remember God's provision, and they'd remember God's relationship, and they would gather together and have offerings, and they'd give offerings and thanksgiving and praise and worship to God. These were big, important occasions that happened three times a year when they'd journey together and they'd go to Jerusalem. Now, Jerusalem was built on a high elevation. If you've ever been there, you know it. Jerusalem is up high. So to get from where you are to Jerusalem, you have to ascend. You have to walk uphill to Jerusalem. And then when you get to the temple to give your offerings, to give your worship, there, there were 15 steps leading up to the temple. So you would ascend into Jerusalem, and then you would ascend up the steps into the temple. And according to Jewish tradition, these 15 psalms of ascent were corresponding to the 15 steps going up to the temple. And the Levites, those who in charge of temple worship, would line the steps of the temple, and they would sing out these songs or these psalms of ascent. As people were journeying to Jerusalem to prepare their hearts for worship, they would recite or they would sing these 15 psalms of ascent. And if you read through them, again, it's Psalm 120 through Psalm 134. A lot of it is talking about how He protected us in the wilderness. The one we read today is, I look to the mountains, where does my help come from? It's almost symbolic of I'm looking up to Jerusalem because I'm heading there. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord. It is a time where they would prepare their hearts for worship. They didn't just show up in Jerusalem and say, okay, well, what do we do now? We're here. It was a preparation, a spiritual heart preparation and anticipation for these opportunities to worship at the temple. Imagine that. You've journeyed for days singing these songs, having the camaraderie of the people. You're all on the same journey together. You get to the temple, and the Levites are singing these praises out to God. Your heart is lifted, and even before you get to the temple, you're ready to worship. What a great idea. So I say that, and I think about maybe your morning this morning getting ready for church. It probably was a lot like that, right? Just the songs of praise in your house, the kids just gathering around singing heaven's worship, you know, nothing going wrong. Everyone's just kind of, you know, the birds are chirping. No, I'm saying that jokingly, right? Because a lot of times in our house on a Sunday morning, and maybe your house is like this, it's get everybody up, and the kids want to sleep in. It's like, get out of bed. I've told you four times, even this morning, it was like, kids, we've told you to get up, and you've already rolled over and fallen back asleep. We get to go to, we get to, go to church today. Let's get moving, you know, and then it's fine clothes, and that, that shirt is wrinkled, and, you know, somebody is yelling at somebody else, and you get in the car, and you're fighting with each other. You're fighting with your spouse and yelling at the kids, and then you walk into the church, and, and then it's just like, hey, we're here. Praise the Lord, right? And, you know, it's kind of that thing. The idea of preparation for church maybe doesn't really happen. Um, and I've found that even like 
the willpower of the family to get to church on a Sunday morning is like the most fragile willpower in the history of man, right? If anything goes wrong, you know, a, a wrinkle in a shirt or little Timmy stubs his toe or you're looking outside and like that one tire on the car looks a little bit low, you know, we better not, that's it, we're staying home, you know, <laughs> one of those things. Everybody get back in the house, we're not going to church today. If God wanted us to go to church, he wouldn't have allowed all these things to happen kind of thing. So maybe that more accurately describes your Sunday mornings. I know it does in our house a little bit. And you finally get to church in the midst of all that turmoil on a Sunday morning, in the midst of all the other things going on, and you show up to a room like this and we start singing, and all of a sudden your heart is supposed to engage in worship. You're supposed to be ready to worship, where God has not been on your mind at all up until that point of the day. So I want to talk for a few minutes this morning about our Sunday morning before we jump into Psalm 121. I know it's warm in here. I'll keep it nice and short. Um, we at Homestead Church, if you've been around here a little bit of time, maybe you've picked up on this, and if you've been around here a long time, you know this. We're pretty laid back in our approach around here. This is definitely not a place where you need to have it all together to show up. You can show up late. Um, sometimes we start service a little late. Sometimes we start it a little later than others. You can wear what you want. When it's warm, just wear what you want. Be comfortable. We are definitely not about putting on a show um, because we're a family. And that is something, a part of the DNA of our church that maybe is my favorite thing. We're a family. We gather together and we worship. However, and as much as I love kind of the laid-back, mellow approach, and we do this intentionally and also just out of genetics, I think, for me, um, but one of the side effects of this of having a laid-back approach on a Sunday morning, is it can tend to do this. It might lessen the importance in our minds of what we're doing in this room today. It might lessen the importance. Casual does not mean indifferent. Casual and laid-back does not mean it's not important. Because what we do here on a Sunday morning, when we gather as the family of God, when we worship together, when we open the Word, when we fellowship, and I say fellowship, fellowship's a very churchy word. It basically just means we are building relationships and doing life with one another. What we do here is important. And style of church, there's all sorts of styles of church, and those can vary, and that's one thing. But significance of what we are doing in a place like this on a Sunday morning is a whole other thing. So I don't want a laid-back approach that we have in a family feel to, to communicate the message that what we're doing here isn't important, because what we're doing here is gathering together, singing our praises collectively to God. We can worship wherever we are, but there's something about when we gather together, and together we do life, and we support one another, and we encourage one another, and we sing praises together. It's an important thing, right? Amen. All right, I need a couple amens. You know, the fans are here. You can just lift up a fan for an amen. And then just keep fanning, all right? What we do here is important, and I want there to be a recognition of the significance of what we're doing. This is not a just check it off the list thing. This is not go to church if we have nothing else to do on the calendar. This is not, oh, I'll just go for an hour, and hopefully I get filled up with all sorts of good Christian feelings and thoughts that will last me another week in my life. There is a significant thing that we do here. And as we read through some of these psalms of ascent, some of these psalms that the Israelites would read as they're preparing their hearts for worship, I'm reminded that it's good for us to prepare our hearts for what we do here on a Sunday morning. And maybe you've never thought about that. Maybe you've never thought about that of Sunday morning, maybe Sunday morning could be a little different 
In our house, we try to keep it a little bit different, you know, once we get the kids out of bed. We try to not make it about, oh, just get on the screens or do what we do every other morning. We try to make it like Sunday morning's a little bit different. Family, I want us to remember we're going to church today. It's not about legalism, but I want it to be something that we recognize in our house. Sunday morning is different. It's a, it's a significant thing what we are about to do. One key distinction between the Old Testament and here today, you know, I imagine the temple looked a little bit different than what it looks like in here today, but in the Old Testament, God's presence dwelt in the temple. So Israelites would go to Jerusalem and go into the temple to experience God's presence. It was in the building. So you'd go to the temple, and that's where God was. Well, in the New Testament with Jesus and when the Holy Spirit came, the Holy Spirit was poured out not in buildings. The Holy Spirit was poured out on the people. So we don't, all that to say is this, we don't come into this room today to experience the presence of God. God isn't in this room, and when we walk in, we're like, yes, I'm finally with God. The presence of God goes with us. We are the church. However, when we come together, when we sing songs proclaiming God's love and faithfulness, when we pray together, when we fellowship together and read God's Word and support and grow in faith, that's a significant thing because there's something that happens when we bring the presence of God and our faith together and we celebrate what God has done. This is not, and a lot of you might think this, and this isn't to make you feel bad or anything, a lot of people have the mentality, if I go to church and I get filled up for the week with God, with, with my God juice, my God feelings, the good stuff, the good vibes, and then I hope that that's enough to last me through the week going to work and dealing with my family and we wilt and we wilt and we wilt and then we come to church, we're like, yay, we get to get filled up again. What we see in the New Testament is this is an ongoing thing daily for us. We have the presence of God in us. So it's not about coming to church just to get filled up. It's throughout the week being in the Word, praying, enjoying the fellowship of one another. And when we come to this place on a Sunday morning, that's where we celebrate together what God has done. That's where we rally around each other and collectively pool our faith. This is not your spiritual food for the week. I want you to grow in how you, you know, feed yourself with the Word of God so that when you come in on Sunday, you're prepared, you're ready to worship, you're ready to open the Word and to celebrate together. In addition to what we're doing here, we got kids up in Big Top Kids in the Littles room. They're learning about faith. They're learning about God and life and building relationships to one another. They're learning about what it means to worship, to love one another, to give and be generous. So what we're doing here is important today, and you are not the consumers of a religious product today. You're not consumers, but you are contributors. You're contributors to what is happening here today. This is not a thing where we come and the professionals are on the stage doing the ministry and you observe and consume. And that's something that we see in our culture a lot. A lot of people will be like, well, I'll go to that church because the music's great, or I like the sound, or the lights, or the videos, or the kids, or the youth, or whatever it is. Um, and they're like, if we don't like it, then we'll find another church because we want to be consumers. Like we pick a restaurant or like we pick a other business. We pick a church. I want us to get out of that mentality. We are contributors today. You all are ministers today. We are worshiping together. So all that to say this, what if we treated our Sundays a little bit differently? What if Sunday mornings we prepared our hearts to worship so that by the time we get here, by the time we walk into this place, we are ready to worship. And it could be as simple as just maybe turning off the TV at home on Sunday mornings or listening to worship music at home or in the car on the way to church. 
have devotions before church. Like, what? Devotions before church? That's why I come to church, you know, to devotions for the day, done. It could be just taking some time and praying or just thinking about what we're going to do, the significance of what we're going to do. I was reading an article this week because I was studying for this message, and there was a pastor who talked about this very thing about these Psalms of Ascent and preparing our hearts for worship, and he had five questions that he listed as things that he goes through on a Sunday morning to prepare his heart for worship. Can we throw those five up there? Hopefully you can see that. Is there unconfessed sin in my life? These are all ways that we can prepare our hearts for worship. Is there unconfessed sin in my life? Have I meditated on Scripture to direct my focus to God? Or is Sunday morning the first time that your focus is going to be on God since last time you were in church? Have I meditated on Scripture to direct my focus to God? Am I purposing to worship God with my whole heart? Have I asked God to direct me as I worship in my giving? And am I prepared to hear God's Word and not only hear it, but obey it. Grant, you can just leave those slides up there just for a bit in case you want to jot those down. Those are great reminders, and I was doing that again this morning. And I will do that often. Just so you know, we have a pre-service prayer time that we meet up in the big, in the big top kids' room at 10, 10 a.m. Um, because we meet there for prayer, and then once the, the Methodist congregation is done here, we start setting up. But that's our pre-service time. You're welcome to join us. Because I use that time, and what we love to do up there is pray for the day and pray for all the ministries. But that really is a time where we begin to set our hearts right. We begin to set the spiritual tone for the day. There's always, every time I'm in there in a time of prayer, I'll go through a checklist similar to this. God, search my heart. Is there sin in my life that is unconfessed? Is there areas that you need to root out in me? Is there an area that I need to just turn over to you? I want to be a pure worshiper today. So, God, I need your mercy today. God, I want to worship you with my whole heart today. God, I want to hear your word and be ready to obey it. I want to hear your voice today. These are all things that I'll do in the pre-service prayer time to prepare my heart. So if you wanted to join us up there at 1010 a.m., we would love to have you. But just whatever it is, maybe we could prepare our hearts for what God wants to do as we gather for a time of worship and a time of looking into God's word. Stephen mentioned we've started... Uh, working on the building, there's lots of demolition going on, lots of things being torn apart, and every time we tear apart some sheetrock, we uncover a new brick wall treasure, and we're like, wow, this is great. It was funny, there was this one brick wall that got exposed, and, um, and a couple of the workers were saying, man, that looks really rough. You know, we probably should have left that sheetrock up. What are we going to do to cover that up? And my comment was, you have obviously never met my wife. She is going to think that's the best looking thing ever, the rough kind of rugged brick look. And so as we're demolitioning the building, we're getting excited for what is to come. Uh, I have thoughts in my head and we're dreaming about all the stuff that's going to be installed and all the finishing and the flooring. And we are so excited to have times where we can worship together there. We are excited for that. We tested out the air conditioning, and it, it works. It appears to work. So that's exciting, too. Yes. But here's the deal. That building is not going to contain the presence of God. It's going to be a holy place. We're gonna, we're gonna, there's a significance to that place. There's a significance of us establishing territory for the kingdom of God right in the heart of Farmington. But it's not like we're going to go in there thinking this is where God is dwelling right? We bring the presence of God wherever we go. So I want us, as His people, as we work towards that building, to recognize 
the significance of what we're going to be doing in that place. It's not just the, pre- it's not the presence of God there, it's but what are we going to do with the presence of God in there. I want us to recognize the significance of ministry that's going to happen there. And I am hoping and praying that those times of worship in that new building will be just a, an increase of our joy and celebration because of what we've seen God do. But I want us to grow in our preparation for walking out our faith. I don't want it to be just a Sunday morning is the only time we think about God and look at the Scripture. I want us to grow in that. Can we grow in that together? Preparing our hearts for what we're going to do on Sunday mornings. Preparing our hearts for the ministry that He wants to do in us and through us. So we've got about 10 minutes left. And I want to look at just a couple of thoughts on Psalm 121. Just a couple of thoughts. We already read through it once. And it really talks about... You know, it sets the tone right from verse 1. And I love thinking about these, from what we were talking about before, preparing your hearts. I love the idea of the Israelites as they're walking to Jerusalem and walking up those steps, saying these words. You know, verse 1, I lift my eyes. Verse 1 and 2, we can throw those up there. I lift my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. We're going to stop there. Just verse 1 and 2 for now. I lift my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? Again, it's a reminder of what they were doing, looking up on the horizon and seeing the city of Jerusalem as they were journeying there for one of those festivals. Where does my help come from? I'm reminded my help comes from the Lord. Those verses also give the image to me as I was reading those of somebody facing defeat. I imagined like a movie scene where somebody was facing defeat and the end was near and they're looking almost like a last-ditch effort, looking up on the hills or looking on the horizon, like desperately thinking, oh, I would love it if somebody would come riding over those hills right now to rescue me. I lift my eyes to the mountains, to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord. My help comes from the Lord. And I love that they say the next line, My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. It's almost like he throws the credentials of God out there right now. There's been times where I've had people referred to me or I've been referred to other people, um, and they'll say, okay, well, what are their credentials? You say they can do this, uh, you know, what can they do? Um, There's times when we met with the architect. I have a friend who owns a commercial roofing business, and I said, well, I have a friend who could do that, and of course they want some credentials. They're like, well, is this like someone who knows what they're doing or is this like Uncle, Uncle Joe who's going to come and, you know, do, do a half-hearted job on the roof? They wanted credentials to know if it was legit. I love that we say, where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord. Here are his credentials. He made the heavens and the earth. Okay, this is, this is about as high as you can get. On a job interview, that would look pretty awesome, right? What, any special skills? Yes. Maker of heaven and earth. Oh, Wow. So that's more than, you know, knowing Microsoft Office and spreadsheets. That's legit, right? I love that, that imagery of, it's almost like the Israelites are saying, you know those mountains that you're looking for for your help? Yeah, our God made those. He made those, okay? He spoke them and they formed. These are good credentials. He's the maker of heaven and earth. This sets up his power. This sets up his capability to help you. And then it goes on from there to talk about his willingness to help, his concern for us. Verse 3 through 5 says this, He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord 
watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. I love the amount of times, the number of times that it says, He watches over you. He watches over you. He watches over you. Day or night, doesn't matter. He watches over you. Another translation would say, He is your keeper. He keeps you. The Lord is your keeper. These words can be translated from the original Hebrew language to mean a guardian. Or even in the, in the Hebrew language, like an actual fence or hedge of protection around something important would be that same word, describing God's care for us. Imagine that, like a, you want to wall in something or protect something with a fence. This is what God does. It's that same word that they use to describe God's care for us. It is something that you put around something valuable to keep protected, to keep safe. Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, they were put in charge of the garden. They were the garden's keepers, that same word. So they were in charge of making sure the garden was protected to watch over it. They were in charge to see that the garden flourished. And I love thinking about God's impact on your life. He is watching over you. He is your keeper. He is your protector. He is looking to you to see that you will flourish. Some of you need to hear that today. Some of you are walking through life feeling all alone, thinking, I would love it if there was somebody who could help me. Your help comes from the maker of heaven and earth, whose heart is to be a protector, whose heart is to watch over you, to be your keeper. He never slumbers. He never sleeps. He's never off the job, right? He's never away. He is your shade at your right hand. Not only does it say that God will provide shade for you in the midst of the hot sun, but what He's saying is, I'm big and I'm so close to you that I am your shade. I provide shade for you because I am with you. I'm watching over you. So close that He is the shade at your right hand. Verse 6 says this, The sun will not harm you by day nor the moon by night. There's great imagery and meaning here. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. Now, certainly, especially this time of year, we understand the need for shelter from the sun, right? We understand the need for shelter from the sun. There is a harshness to the day. If you're stuck outside on a hot, sunny day with no protection, you begin to wilt. You begin to feel it. And He is your shade and your shelter from the hot, Sun. I love that imagery. The sun will not harm you by day. But then he says, but the moon, nor the moon by night. And I think, well, what about the moon is, you know, damaging, right? The moon is not blinding. We don't go out at night and be like, ah, oh, I can't look directly at the moon. You know, the moon never harmed anyone. We never got, you know, moon burn, right, from being outside. Even the whitest of Scandinavians is never going to go out and be like, oh, the moon, it burns, it burns, it burns, right? Why do we need protection from the moon. While studying this, in this culture, you know, the sun was signifying the blatant attacks of the day, the blatant things and opposition that we're going to face, talking about that onslaught of the sun, things that we're going to face that come right in our face and try to, you know, attack us, attacks of the enemy, things like that, difficulties that we're going to face. The sun will not harm you by day. But the moon, the moon was different. In that culture, the moon represented the sneaky things, the hidden things, the things in the dark, the things you can't see, the things that will attack you at night. The moon at, the moon at night talks about times of darkness, 
the things that we are not aware of that seek to harm us. In this day and age, enemy, enemy armies would often attack at night. The idea of nighttime, you had to be on guard because you didn't know what was out there that was going to cause you harm. It's the idea of the moon at night talks about the unknown things, the hidden things. In fact, the word lunar, talking about the moon, is the same word that we get lunacy or lunatic, right? It's the same word because the idea was um, the moon in this day and age represented the battle of the mind. It was believed that the lunar cycle or the moon caused people to have mental illness, and the moon was symbolic of this mental illness. So I love, I love that the psalmist is writing of our God that the closeness of our God not only protects us from the sun by day, the things that we know we're going to face, but the moon at night. He is with you in the battle against the unknown. He's with you in the battle against your own mind. In times of mental illness and anxiety and depression, God is close. He is your keeper. He is your protector. He is watching over you to see that you flourish. In day and at night, He is with you. From the things that keep you awake at night, from the unknown things, the things that you're worried about, He is your protector. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. I quote this verse sometimes where I'm anxious before going to bed, and I'll just say, Lord, You are on the job. You're not going to slumber or sleep. The sun will not harm me by day, nor the moon by night. I can rest in peace knowing that You are still watching over me. And finally, Verse 7 and 8, as we close today. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going both now and forevermore. I'm praying that over everyone here today. All the things that we have going on. Um, we are praying that over a friend of ours. Uh, there's a pastor, um, a couple in Northfield, Canvas Church, Jeff and Tiffany went. Uh, Tiffany battled breast cancer a couple years ago. Well, they just found out eight weeks ago it has come back, and it's, you know, it's stage four cancer really everywhere. So it is, kind of, I mean, the doctors have said this is within days of, of the end of your life. And so everyone, all of our circle of friends were just shook by this. I'm praying that over them. I'm praying for a miracle, and I'm praying for God to watch over them, to keep them from harm. And... Uh, we're believing for a miracle, but even more than that, whatever comes, I'm praying for them, and I'm praying this for you today. Whatever you face, wherever you're going, you're coming and going. The Lord will watch over your coming and going, both now and forevermore. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He's going to watch over your life. So I would love it if you would even just right now start thinking about the things that are weighing on you for this week, this trip to Panama. I know God's watching over this team. The sun will not harm us by day nor the moon by night. Whatever you're facing this week, a career thing, a relationship thing, a financial thing, maybe it's a battle with anxiety or depression. The Lord is watching over you. You're coming and you're going. Things that you're dealing with in your family, I'm praying this over you that you would sense that rest and that peace this week as you walk through your faith knowing, God, you have me. You're my protector. You're my shield. You're my strength. You're my source. You will watch over me and keep me from harm. You are watching over my life both now and and forevermore. Amen? And I love the idea of us using some of these psalms not only to prepare for a worship service on a Sunday morning, but this should be something that we should wake up with 
preparing for our day. What, a, what kind of a difference would it make in your day if every morning you got up and you just said, I'm going to start this day by preparing my heart spiritually for what God wants to do. It could even be reading this psalm. God, today, I know you're watching over me. I'm not going to face anything today that you're not already involved in, that you're not caring for me in. Everything that I do today is going to be under your care and your watchful eye. And maybe even at the end of the day, God, I know tonight when I go to sleep, you are with me. The Lord will watch over me both now and forevermore. The sun will not harm me by day nor the moon by night. Maybe memorize this psalm and you could just recite it to yourself when you're facing something. This is the real practical thing of having our faith be something way more real than just Sunday morning. It's applying it to our life every day. It's preparing our hearts to come together and worship on a Sunday. And so I'm praying that over you today. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, I'm praying today that the words of Psalm 121, those words that have been sung and recited for thousands of years, would comfort our hearts and would prepare our hearts for what you want to do, that we would have boldness and faith knowing that you are with us, that we would not be weighed down by the cares of this world because we know that you are with us and you're watching over our life. So I'm praying for everyone here today that we would have a renewed sense of your presence in us and that we would each take a step to grow in how we live our life out spiritually, that we would prepare our hearts spiritually for what you want to do in us. So I'm praying that over everybody here. And everybody here who's facing needs today, I'm praying that you would reveal your presence, you would reveal how much you are watching over us, that you would comfort those who are fearful and anxious and worried. I'm praying for Jeff and Tiffany Went in Northfield at Canvas Church today. God, we are asking for a miracle in Tiffany's body today. We need a miracle. I pray that you would fill her room right now with your presence and that we would have a good report of you healing her. And for Jeff and the kids, I just pray for their um, faith to be in you in this incredibly difficult time that you would be close to them and speaking to them and encouraging them through this time. For everybody here, God, we want to grow in our faith. We want to be more like you. So do that work. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Amen. God bless you, everyone. Thanks for being here today. Enjoy the rest of your day. We'll see you here next Sunday. Have a great week.